Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. If you were to open up your Bible to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament and turn to chapter 12, you would find six short verses there, most likely laid out like a poem or a psalm, and quite possibly sung in ancient times. I'm going to read from that chapter in just a moment, and as I do so, I want you to picture the writer of that song trying to express exuberance. Never mind for a moment what he was excited about exactly, we can come to that. Mostly, 
I just want you to imagine some times in your own life when there has been more in you than you could contain, a kind of delight or joy that had you just bursting at the seams, as it were, a buoyancy with excitement, a bubbling over. Well, on this third weekend in Advent, it's the church's privilege to remember the place of joy in the Christian life, and I intend to do that. We'll flow right from the reading of this 12th chapter of Isaiah into my message from last weekend. But here, though, now, the prophet, as he speaks about the joy and wholeness that belongs to the Hebrew people, as they drink from what he calls the water wells of salvation. Isaiah 12. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. God has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will be able to say in that day, O give thanks unto the Lord, call upon God's name, make known God's deeds among all peoples, and proclaim that name as exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for God has done gloriously. And let this be known in all of the earth. Shout aloud, sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Well, I don't have to know any of you very well at all to say rather confidently that your life is not one of endless bliss. I just know that. <laughs> we all live with uh, circumstances that discourage. We live with relationships sometimes that are a pain. And each and every one of us will someday have a diagnosis of one sort or another that clearly will not be for the timid. If you introduce me to someone someday that you say knows only happiness, I will be meeting someone who pays no attention to the news, who has no idea how to walk in the shoes of someone else's circumstances, and probably someone who avoids hard and unpleasant experiences at all costs. All of which is to say life is not for the faint-hearted. And neither, frankly, is death. But we are Christian people because we have been given this unbelievable gift, totally undeserved gift of hope, of salvation. Salvation is really the Christian name for hope. You're not a Christian because you believe certain things. You're a Christian because you have been given, with nothing of your own doing, you have been given this amazing hope. And we come to church, in part, to practice this hope. Hope is what allows us to overcome despair when the world seems to be tottering. If it isn't climate change, you know, inducing some wicked tornadoes, well, then it's the threats to democracy the world over. If it's not threats to democracy, well, then it's millions of people 
who just don't have food-secure lives because they don't have the means, which would be the money. Or they don't have a grocery store within walking distance. They have the gas mart, the quick trip, known for its nourishing food. Hope is what allows some of you to wage a realistic war against that depression that bedraggles you or that anxiety that bedevils you or that awful and hard to talk about and weird addiction or fetish that just keeps on clipping your wings and stripping you of a deep life. Yeah, salvation is the name for Christian hope. And I picked this meditation this morning, that little psalm portion we sung, the 12th chapter of uh, Isaiah's book. I picked it not just because it's short, but because it's a song of joy. And it was most likely sung in ancient times, and it's kind of a good thing that we sang it this morning. It's the kind of thing you sing when you cannot contain your joy. You know, when you're bursting at the seams because you're excited about something. It's the kind of song you sing when you finally realize that God is larger than your woes. That God can provide what you actually cannot quite provide for yourself. For the last two days, I've carried this little passage in my shirt pocket, which is what I do when I don't really know what I'm going to preach about. And so I had it yesterday when I went to visit this guy, Dave. He's a member of this church. He's in hospice. And, you know, Dave is in his room all by himself, lying immobile. He has sores all over his body. He doesn't speak anymore. And he's really in his final days. But he's there. He's in his eyes. And so I could ask him, Dave, are you feeling any pain? No, he could nod his head. He's there. He's, he's right there in his eyes. And I don't know what it's like, uh, of course, to prepare to depart this world because I haven't been there yet. But I can imagine the scenes that go through your head. You know, the good ones and the bad experiences, like little film clips that are just flowing through your mind as you're processing moving from this shore to another shore. And while I haven't been there, I know what I'd like to be reminded of. And it's something like, is right here in the prophet Isaiah, the 12th chapter. So I pulled this piece of paper out of my pocket. And I put my hand on Dave's white t-shirt. And put my palm just right there where his heart is, on the left side. And I read it to him. I said, Dave... God is your hope. You can trust this God. You don't have to be afraid of anything. For God is your strength and your song. Yeah, God is your hope and salvation. I was getting ready to read the next line, which is about water. And I'm looking at Dave, and you know his mouth is gaping wide open, as, as happens when you're actively dying. Whoever invented the word parched must have been sitting next to somebody who was dying because it's dry as a desert in there. 
So I went to his little kitchenette and I grabbed a glass and a little pink swab sponge and I swabbed out his mouth. It can't be totally satisfying in terms of a drink, but it's something. And then I, I went back to my piece of paper. Dave, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. It's poetic language of Scripture, of course. And the guy may be really, really thirsty, so I read it again. I actually emphasized the future tense of that verb. Dave, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You know, the chapter right before this, um, chapter 12, cleverly named chapter 11, is that idyllic scene that we hear about in church, often in Advent, where the prophet speaks about a chosen one who's going to come and remake the world. It's that passage where we're told that lambs are going to curl up with wolves and they're going to nap together. You know that one. Where exiles from Israel will be drawn from the four corners of the earth. I didn't know the earth had corners. But they're going to be drawn from all those corners back into reestablishing the promised land. This is the passage where, you know, kids can play around with snake dens and where poor people will benefit from righteousness for the first time in their lives. Well, it's following that magnificent picture and all those grand promises that Isaiah starts to sing this song of exuberant joy. It's just bursting with excitement. Like when you can't keep something in because you're just so thrilled and you can't wait to share it. It's like a, an, an infection. It's contagious. It's lush, profuse abundance. God is my hope and salvation. I will trust. I have no reason to be afraid, for with joy I will draw waters from the wells of salvation. All that people need to do is to lower their bucket into the well of God's grace and draw that water of hope, which Jesus, by the way, calls living water. Wells don't create water, you know. We just tap water that's already at the bottom of that well. And what I always hope for your life and for mine is that we can construct the kind of lives that have enough humility and good sense and faith that we will know how deep to drop that bucket with a long rope when there's grace at the bottom that we so desperately need. When I read a passage like this one from Isaiah 12, I just want to underscore the joy of the Christian life. The joy that's in you, the joy that's in me. I actually believe that where there is joy in the things that God is up to, there is faith. And where there is no joy, there is no real faith. Because according to the Bible, joy is that visible sign that tells you that the love in you, the hope in you, the faith in you, and the patience in you, that these things are real. Not fake, but real. And I don't think joy is a requirement for following Jesus. Like, i got to get my life happy and joyous, and then I can follow this one. I think joy is more like a consequence of wrapping your life into this Lord and Savior as we refer to Him. 
We may connect more naturally with sadness, but I think that's because we can dissect sadness. You know, the stages of grief, we can pull them apart. Joy, it just comes at you like a gift. Jesus says, you were made for joy. I put my joy in you so that your life would be complete, it would be whole, it would be abundant. And just like a virus in you, you could infect other people with that very joy. This is not the same as pleasure. As important as pleasure is to our lives, and as much as we build our lives around pleasure. Pleasure is great. You know that special music you're going to play in this season. That, that, that walk you're going to have with your dog this afternoon. Pleasure is just great. The beauty of nature that we so enjoy. You know, cherishing the intimacy of a love. But we make our pleasures. Or at least we make them the best we can. But our joy, that's just pure gift. Our joys are given to us. And sometimes when life hits us really hard, we got to lower that bucket deeply into the well. you got to have a long rope. And you have to trust that there's living water at the bottom. When things aren't going well in your life, when you're up against a wall, when you're parched with thirst, when you feel as if God doesn't know how to do a new thing with you, that's when we have to get resourceful and lower the bucket deep, trusting that there's water at the bottom. Let me introduce you to a couple, uh, Peter and Lisa Marshall. Good-looking couple, 54 years old, 55 years old, from Andover, Connecticut. They were married in 2009, and uh, unfortunately, in, in their case, uh, Peter developed a case of early-onset Alzheimer's, something that can strike some folks in their 40s, early 50s. And not five, six years into their marriage, he really declined. He doesn't have any idea that he's married to Lisa. He doesn't know her name. He needs total assistance in the bathroom. He has seizures on a regular basis. Well, one night, this couple, they're watching TV. And there's a wedding scene that comes on the screen. And he says to her, we should do that. She says, do what? He says, we should get married. As far as he was concerned, she was just his favorite caregiver, whom he kind of loved. Well, she thought, why don't we get married again? So the kids got together and decided we're going to have a marriage for Peter and Lisa. And they got these 12 vendors together, and they uh, threw this awesome wedding party. They danced. They cut the cake. There wasn't a dry eye in the place. They got married just a month or two after this couple saw that little film clip. And you know what Lisa said about the event the next day? She said, I have never seen him so full of joy in all of our years. It was as if for a moment there, he had it all together. He was just flooded with this awesome joy. She also said the day after, he doesn't remember that we got married again, and he has no idea what my name is, but it was the very best. 
You know, when your life is up against a wall and you're not sure that God can do a new thing, sometimes you have to drop that bucket way down with a long rope. And you have to have the kind of life that can do that. Because with joy, you will draw from the waters of the wells of salvation. They are there. We are Christ-shaped people. We spend our lives practicing hope in this very place. We are the people in whom God is glorified. And so when you're thirsty, folks, spiritually or otherwise, go deep. And go deep with joy because you will draw from waters of hope that you didn't even know were there. Amen.
Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Now may God, who knows you more deeply than you even know yourself, lead you in pathways of forgiveness and freedom. And the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you now and forever. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.